For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line, the podcast. I am back after a two-day hiatus, and uh, I'm still sick, as I'm sure probably most of you can tell. Uh, But I promised y'all I would come back today, so we'll be here for a limited time to give you guys something to chew on over the weekend. Not to mention, and this happens every time I get sick, even in the radio business, it, it, it would happen time and time again. Every time I get sick, the news cycle absolutely explodes. Absolutely explodes. And all these crazy things happen that I really want to talk about, and I can't because I don't have a voice or I feel like dog poop but i'm here i'm gonna i'm gonna stick it out as long as i can so we will uh we'll see what happens it may not be much of a show today but uh we'll give you uh, what we can muster so here we go we are if you're listening live we're still having problems with youtube and i don't think it's on youtube's end i think it's on our end when what we've got going on is we're trying to make sure we can record a quality version of the show to put on Spotify and Apple Podcast and tune in and all the other 500 platforms we're on. Uh, and we can't do that and run YouTube at the same time or something. I don't know. We're going to work those kinks out this weekend and hopefully get it figured out. I thought I had it fixed, but no, I don't. I gotta hire an IT guy because I'm, I swear I don't know what I'm doing around here. I have no idea. 
But if you are listening live, you're probably listening from Blog Talk Radio. So welcome to you guys. If you want to get in on the show and help me make it through this episode, the way to do that is going to be 646-668-2714. That's the number, 646-668-2714. Also online, overthelineshow.com. That is uh, the website that you can go to and, and get all that information as well. On social media, on Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who, and on uh, Facebook, Over the Line. Uh, you should be able to find it pretty easily, I think. I think. But uh, a way to go back and listen to previous episodes, It's uh, all that information's on those uh, those social media platforms. All right, let's uh, let's start breaking it down right off the top. And I feel kind of bad to, to go through this stuff because... Some of this is going to be old news. Some of this is stuff you guys have either talked about or you've listened to other people talk about. So I'm I'm behind the eight ball, and hopefully you guys care about what I think about these issues. But what went down on Tuesday, I guess it was Tuesday, with Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Donald Trump there in the White House. Mike Pence was there as well, and the media was present. They were holding a a little mini press conference type thing before they went back and had a private meeting, which is standard practice. You come out and you smile for the cameras and you brief them on on what you're going to be talking about. Uh, Nothing strange about that. Why the, The reason this was a little different is because Donald Trump decided to drag the private meeting out early and do it right there in front of the cameras in order to expose Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Because he knows their end game. He knows what they're angling for. He knows what they ultimately want, what they will and they won't give in on. So the best way to have a slight chance at getting what he wants is to expose them in front of everybody, which then causes pressure to be put on them to compromise in some form or fashion. I want to play you this audio. And again, if you've heard it a hundred times already, I want to apologize up front, but I feel like it's very important to dissect this thing. Now, the entire... uh, the entire photo op, if you will, lasted about 16 minutes from start to finish. Uh, eight minutes of that is Donald Trump kind of previewing what is ahead for their meeting, what they're about to uh, what they're about to do behind closed doors. And then Nancy Pelosi decides she's going to pipe in and give her two cents as to why we just don't need a border wall. Why a border wall is just such a crazy and absurd idea. And being very disrespectful, interrupting the president, as Chuck Schumer did multiple times. Here is how the interaction starts after Donald Trump gives his spiel about what they will be talking about. Let's see if I can find this here. And that should be about right. I need, Nancy, I need 10 votes from Chuck. Let me just say one thing. 
The fact is, you do not have the votes in the House. Nancy, I do. And we need well, border security. Nancy, we'll Nancy, we need border security. It's very simple. Okay, just a preview of what's going on here. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, and this is why he did it, because this makes her sound like an absolute idiot. She says, well, you you control the, the House and the Senate. And Trump is like, we don't control the the, the, we don't control the Senate enough to get 60 votes. We've got what 51 senators, 51 Republican senators. That means we need nine to ten more uh, Democrats. Well, well, you can pass it in the House. He says, yeah, but what's the point if we can get it past the Senate? Well, it's better to get it started. She thinks we're stupid. She thinks Donald Trump's stupid. Or maybe she's just stupid herself. I don't know which one it is. But that's the angle she's going with. Of course we do. We need border security. People are pouring into our country, including terrorists. We have terrorists. We caught 10 terrorists over the last very short period of time. 10. These are very serious people. Our border agents, all of our law enforcement has been incredible what they've done. But we caught 10 terrorists. These are people that were looking to do harm. We need the wall. We need, more important than anything, we need border security, of which the wall is just a piece. But it's important. Chuck, did you want to say something? Here's what I want to say. We have a lot of disagreements here. The Washington Post today gave you a whole lot of Pinocchios because they say you constantly misstate how much the wall is built, how much of the wall is built, and how much is there. But that's not the point here. We have a dis. The Washington Post called you a liar, Mr. President. What do you have to say about that? The Washington Post, I noticed over the past, uh, I guess it was yesterday or the day before, they posted this, they published this big, huge piece about. The guy from Charlottesville that ran over the chick and, and killed her at all those protests. This big long piece about how he has uh, been sentenced to life in prison. Which is, I think we can all agree, is a good thing. Uh, no matter what happened in Charlottesville, you took a life. Uh, because you acted irresponsibly and there are consequences for that. Whether that was based in white supremacy or whether you're just a lunatic, or whatever the case is, life in prison is pretty appropriate. Although, you're not really solving the problem of this guy being a white supremacist by sending him to prison, but that's another story. They published this big, long piece uh, about this, and I'm like, hmm, I'm curious if I can find within their timeline a piece about the guy that just got sentenced, uh, the illegal immigrant that just got sentenced for stabbing a 16-year-old girl to death. There was a 16-year-old girl that was dating this 20-year-old illegal immigrant, and she broke up with him, and when she did, he proceeded to stab her to death. So I searched, and I searched, and I searched, and I searched, and I kept searching, and I never found that Peace. And that's why Chuck Schumer likes the Washington Post so much. Disagreement about the wall, whether it's effective or not. Not on border security, but on the wall. We do not. <laughs> he goes the Washington Post. He looked over at Mike Pence and started laughing. I want to shut down the government. You have called 20 times to shut down the government. You say, I want to shut down the government. We don't. We want to come to an agreement. If we can't come to an agreement, we have solutions that will pass the House and Senate right now 
and will not shut down the government, and that's what we're urging you to do. Not threaten to shut down the government because you, you, you can't get your way. You shut it down, you yeah, let me say something, Mr. President. You just say, my way or we'll shut down the government. We have a proposal that Democrats and Republicans <laughs> will support to do a CR that will not shut down the government. We this is what's funny. As Chuck Schumer's working this angle that shutting down the government is just this big travesty that will ruin everything. And it's going to affect the lives of people like Andrew McLean. It's going to affect your life. And just average people are just going to be completely wrecked if the government shuts down. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, I gave, uh, back in 2000, early 2018, earlier this year, Chuck Schumer stood on the, the House floor and filibustered in order to stop a bill from going through. It was a bipartisan bill agreed by agreed on by Republicans and Democrats, and Chuck Schumer was having none of it, so he got up and he filibustered until there was a government shutdown because they couldn't get the thing through. There was no vote. Chuck Schumer caused that. That was branded the Schumer shutdown. Now, Republicans like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, they were all throwing their arms up. I can't believe this. The government shut down. What are we going to do? How dare Chuck Schumer? While it was a shady move on Chuck Schumer's part, the shutting down of the government was not the end of the world. And Chuck Schumer knew that. Now, Chuck Schumer is back again, acting like a government shutdown will be the end of the world. Much like Chuck Schumer acted like he cared about stopping illegal immigration just a few short years ago when Barack Obama was in power, and now, he's not so concerned about it. There's nobody you're going to find that is much more hypocritical than Chucky Schumer. He pretty much takes the cake on uh, anybody, as far as anybody you can think of, that is on, in the upper echelon of, of a hypocrite. We urge you to take it. And if it's not good border security, I it won't take it. It is very good border security. And if it's security. not good border security, border I won't security take it. It's what Because the when you look at these numbers of the effectiveness of our border security, and when you look at the job that we're doing you with our military... You just said it is effective. Can I, be, can I tell you something? Yeah, you just said Without a wall, these are only areas where you have the walls. We want to do Where you have walls, Chuck, it's effective. We, where you don't wait, have wait walls, second. it Let's is not effective. Let's call a halt to this. Yeah. Let's call a halt to this. We've come in here as the first branch of government, the Article One, the legislative branch. We're coming in in good faith to negotiate with you about how we can keep the government open. The, the Do you ever feel like Nancy Pelosi, she's got a lot to say, but as it comes out, she just misses a bunch of words? Like, she's got a sentence she wants to put out there, and it's ten, ten words long, but only four of them get out. It's like they can't find their way out. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> this is the point right here. And you can listen. Listen closely, okay? This is the point where Nancy Pelosi starts getting a little panicked because she realizes she's been bamboozled into having this debate in front of the cameras, which is the last thing she wanted to do. Let's, let's bring a halt to this. Let's bring a halt to this. We don't need to do this out here. Because they know 
they know by the second they're being exposed. We're going to keep it the open American, if we have border security. If, America, if we don't okay. have border security, I'm, Chuck, I'm with you. we're not going to keep it open. I'm Let with me. you. We are going to have border security. And it's the same Effective what you're bragging about what has been done. By we us. want to do the same thing we did last year, this year. That's our proposal. If it's good then, it's good now, and it won't shut down the government. Chuck, we can build a but much that's bigger section let's, let's with debate, more money. Let's debate in private. Okay? Yeah. So right. It's working so great right now. So great. That is devoid, frankly, of fact, and we we can. We need border that. security. I think we all agree that we need border security. Yeah, right. Good. We do. See, we get along. Thank you, everybody. You say border security and the wall. Can you have border security without the wall? There's a commonality on border security. The wall is a part of border security. What it means to have border security? Yeah, we need border security. The wall is a part of border security. You can't have very good border security without the wall. No. Not true. That is a political promise. Border security is a way to effectively honor our responsibility. And the experts say you can do border security without a wall, which is wasteful and doesn't solve the problem. It, it totally. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Here's my question: What what do the Democrats have against the wall? They say it's ineffective. Okay. So if it's ineffective. I don't really understand that argument, but let's say that that it's ineffective. What's it going to hurt? What's their other argument? Their other argument is what you just heard Chuck Schumer say. It's wasteful. What? (laughs) What did he just say? Wasteful? Democrats worried about wasteful spending? Are you serious? The same Democrats that gave $150 billion to Iran in cash in the middle of the night? $150 billion sent to terrorism? Really? Food stamp fraud rampant across this country? And we're still weeding that stuff out. You can just just go to Google right now as you're listening. Go to Google, type in uh, food stamp fraud arrest, and there'll be a, there'll be a, an article within the past two weeks of somebody, some some store clerk or store owner being arrested for two million dollars in food stamp fraud. It happens every week, every single week. Now that we've got people in government that are taking that stuff serious. You want to talk about government waste? Republicans waste government funds. And I say government funds. Republicans waste the people's funds. But nobody comes even close to wasting taxpayers' money than the Democrats. Not by a long shot. And Chuck Schumer, with the audacity to act like he cares about wasteful spending... Really? Oh, ugh. it's making me sick again. Seriously? This guy's out of his mind. Solves but the I problem. Don't take this. Uh, th- unfortunately, this has spiraled downward when we came at a place to say, how do we meet the needs of American people who have needs? The, uh, the economy has, it's, uh, people are losing their jobs, the market's in a mood. 
Our members are already well, left we have the office. lowest unemployment that we've had in 50 years. 50 people of, of the Republican Party have lost it, are losing their offices now because of the transition. They're, people are not, the morale is not. Nancy, we gained in the Senate. Nancy, the morale we gained in the Senate. Excuse me, did we win the Senate? We won the Senate. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. When I, I did. Let me say this. We did win let me say this. North Dakota. This is the most unfortunate thing. We came in here in good faith. Uh, and, and, and we are entering into a, a, this kind of a, a discussion in the public view. But it's not fair, let, let us, no, uh, no, it's but called it, transparency. I, I, I know, it's not transparency when we're not stipulating to a set of facts and when we want to have a debate with you about saying we confront some of those facts without you know saying what? to the we public, need border security. this That's isn't what we're true. going to be talking about, border security. If we don't have border security, we'll shut down the government. This country needs border security. We the wall is a part of border security. Let's have a talk. We're going to get the wall built, and we've done a lot of wall already. It's a big section. It's a big part. The, the moral of the story here is they, they, the Democrats, Nancy and, and Schumer, got absolutely bamboozled on this front. They got bamboozled. It was so good. So good. And they, and they got so exposed. Most people know, and I say most people, and maybe I'm being generous. Most people know that Democrats do not care about wasteful spending. So you have to really examine why are they so against this. It's not because it's ineffective. They've shown themselves to completely support tactics that are ineffective. For instance, the way we allowed ISIS to grow and grow and grow. The things we did, uh, are, are, the, the way we tied the hands of our military during the Obama years. They're in the business of ineffective policies. Taxing people to raise more money. Ineffective. Also, wasteful spending. They're notorious for that. They're not in the business of being responsible with the Treasury. They're not. So what is their core reason? What is the real reason that they don't want the wall? It is simply because they see future voters coming across that border not that they want to bring people in, then legalize them, then allow them to cast their vote, cast their vote for whoever they feel is looking out for them. They want to leave that border open because that allows them to commit more and more voter fraud. It's the only way they can keep power. It is the only way they can keep power. Just like their policy decisions. They can't push their agenda through Congress. They can't push their agenda through a vote of the people because a majority of Americans don't think like they do. They have to do it through the courts. That's why the Supreme Court was so important to them in order to get their absurd, insane policies pushed through.
They have to have a liberal Supreme Court. And in order for them to maintain power, they have to bring in as many illegal immigrants as they possibly can. Voter fraud is the best friend of Democrats. And if you don't believe me, then you're not paying attention or something. 646-668-2714 is the number. 646-668-2714. Over the line show dot com is the number you can also find all of our uh, social media stuff on there we are on spotify now we're on uh apple podcast and plenty of other places for you to check out so make sure you hook it up you can take us wherever you go especially when it comes to spotify and apple podcast you are able now to download it and take it with you you don't have to use your data while you're on the road. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because we ain't looking for y'all to use up all your data on this show. We're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. More of Over the Line. As much as I can give you before I pass out right here in this chair after this. No means no. This evening has been super appropriate. But I do understand consent. Definitely text her right now. Here's the code, and there is the door. I am gonna stand over here. You are in control of this thing. Invite them over if you like. Say, what's in this drink? Um, nothing but Sprite. I wish I knew how Just walk right out to the door. break the spell. I do know how to spell harassment. I, know, no, no, I hear you loud and clear. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. I'm trying super really hard. Please just go out, baby. Ah, just go outside. outside. Simply must go. Uber is right outside. The answer is no. Seriously, right outside. The welcome has been. I'll walk you to so the curb. Nice but 
not totally consensual. Is that to be talked tomorrow? Hopefully not about At least us. There will be plenty implied. Please do not imply anything. I really can't stay. Baby, just go out. Baby, Baby just go. Baby, just go outside. McLean hanging out with you. Currently watching Claire McCaskill give her final remarks on the Senate floor. Y'all want to hear some of that? <laughs> you know, Jeff Flake's doing the same thing today, and, and I saw him post something on Twitter about uh, leaving and uh, giving his final his final goodbye. And I'm like, see you, Cub. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you. So glad you're out of here. Same thing for Claire McCaskill. So glad to see you leaving. Let's listen to what she's got to say right now live. Infants in car seats going to political events. Toddlers sitting sometimes not so quietly as I gave a speech. And then amazing troopers in the almost decade of my career when I was a single working mom, hauling them all over the state on campaigns. They now have forgiven me for the missed recitals and the missed field trips and the fact that I couldn't be the homeroom mom. Today, they have grown into amazing, strong adults who make me very proud. And ye howdy, those grandchildren. I have 11 going on 12. Wait, ye howdy? What does that even mean? Old enough to yell at them what my mom used to say to us when we were dawdling and too slow in getting to the car. Last one in is a Republican. Oh, that's so funny. And my husband, Joseph. How lucky I am to have him as my best friend. We were married 16 years ago, after I was well into my political career and after he had achieved great success in business. He is proud and supportive of me always. But he certainly didn't bargain for the incredibly unfair treatment we got at his expense because of his business success. Let the record of the Senate now say what my Republican colleagues did not during my campaigns. Thank you, Joseph, for your integrity, your honesty, your generosity, and your heart, which has always directed you to do good as you do well. And then there's my Missouri family. I love my state. 
All of it. Every corner of it. Even the parts that aren't very crazy about me. My honor to work for Missourians has been immense. And I'm incredibly grateful to them for the opportunity I've had to get up every day and work my heart out in an interesting, challenging career of public service. Okay, that's enough of that. I'm, I'm over it. That's, it's a little too hokey for me. I'm good. I'm good on that. I got to keep you hitting my cough button. Sorry. So Claire McCaskill says her goodbyes on the Senate floor. Missouri is better off for it. See you later, alligator. Same for you, Jeff Flake. I don't know when he'll be giving his remarks unless he's already given them. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention, and I really don't uh, don't care. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of do. I kind of want to watch it just to have one last hoorah of, hey, it's it's actually real. Jeff Flake is actually gone. I would uh, might want to experience that. 646-668-2714 is the number. 646-668-2714. As uh, anything else uh, pops up on that front as far as live feeds of uh, people saying their goodbyes or anything else, really, we will uh, we'll bring that to you. Uh, just to go back to the meeting between Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi in the White House and uh, how that all transpired. All I could think about, my my kid P. Diddy has got this new thing where if he does something or somebody cracks a joke at you or hits you with a good comeback, he uh, instead of what we used to yell, burn, you know, if somebody hit you with a with a sick insult, they'd be like, "Burn!" My kid now goes, "Exposed." That's all I could think of when I watched Nancy and Chuck and, and Donald Trump in the in the White House there. Exposed. That's all I could think of. Kept running through my head. But outside of that, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not the only ones that feel there is. No need for a darn wall because it's ineffective and it's wasteful. Uh, the wasteful part is what gets me the most because we know Democrats are are notorious for wasteful spending. Uh, but none more so than Bernie Sanders. Granted, he has not gained the power to implement wasteful spending upon the entire country. But you just look at his platform when he ran for president, and you want to talk about wasteful spending. This dude is the king of wasteful spending. He spends money that don't even exist, okay? The same guy that spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on private jet flights and owns three houses and and um, is, a, is a millionaire and claims to care about the poor people. Um. He says the same thing about the wall. And he says that there's going to be no compromise. He's not even going to take uh, a deal where they get, uh, they solidify the dreamers as being citizens in exchange for the wall. He's not going to do it because it's wasteful. It's a waste. 
It's wasteful. Bernie Sanders. It's wasteful spending. We're going to wasteful spending. We're going to be responsible. Seriously. I can't get enough of this. Senator, did you like what you saw in the Oval Office today with Schumer, Pelosi, and the president? No, I did not. I find it incomprehensible that we have a president. I didn't like it. I was really bothered. Of the United States, the leader of our government, who wants to shut down the government, uh, impact the livelihood of some 750,000 federal workers and seven government agencies, which impact millions of Americans. I think it's totally absurd and disgraceful. What's wrong with the move of saying what the Democrats say quietly, which is we're in favor of border security. We're funding the stuff that they're doing on the border right now. Give them the wall and get back what you want for the dreamers. You shake look, your head no got, immediately. Look, why? We have veterans in this country who are sleeping out on the street. We have elderly people on Social Security trying to survive on $12,000 a year. They can't afford prescription drugs. We should not be wasting $5 billion or, in fact, a lot more than that, which is... How long has Bernie been talking about this? So what Chris Cuomo should do right now, which is the guy interviewing, is say, why haven't you fixed that already? Huh? You've been talking about that forever. And you keep saying it's a priority, but you're still talking about it. And you're not doing anything about it. The only time it comes up is when it's... uh. When it's time to say, oh, no, 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 this is more important. That's why we can't do that. This is more important. That's why we can't do the wall. How about this? How about to prevent people from being homeless and without jobs? Why don't you quit allowing illegal immigrants in that will then take those jobs and affect the poorest of our communities? Because that's what happens. White, black, even Mexican communities, it affects those guys, especially those that are on the lower end of the economic spectrum. It affects them negatively because what jobs are there in their community when illegal immigrants come in mass, they take those jobs. Why? Because they'll work for much less then not just that those people will work for, but what they have to have in order to survive and make it worth their while. Illegal immigrants will do it for much, much less. Well, we got homeless people. Ah! What Trump eventually wants on a wall. We need strong border security. No one argues with that. But the most cost-effective way to do that is not building a wall. But those who operate on the border do say that additional barriers and types of sensors and different ways of stopping people from coming in is one of their priorities. But I don't know what they're talking about. I know the border better than the border people. Well, to my mind, we should utilize technology, utilize manpower. <laughs> That's exactly what he said, too. I just made that up. I didn't know he was going to say that. There are ways that we can strengthen the border protect the border without building a wall and wasting billions of dollars. I'm from Vermont. I know about the border. Oh. That should be spent uh, in more important areas. Are you confident that you win this fight? The president said today, I can get the votes in my side of the party with one phone call. I've got the votes. Nancy Pelosi said, no, you don't. 
Do you think you win the Democrats uh, and those you caucus with if it becomes a wall my, and whether a wall is right or wrong? Chris, I can't give you a definitive answer, but my understanding is he does not have the votes in the House. And I think there are a lot of folks here in the Senate, Republicans, uh, who are also not supportive of building the wall. All right. So wall for dreamers, not on the table for Bernie Sanders. Let me ask you about another big vote tomorrow. Uh, you see the situation in Yemen and the United States military involved. There are plenty more Republicans like me that don't have a backbone. He does not have the votes. So Bernie Sanders, you heard it, his own words. He knows the border better than those that actually work on the border, that actually enforce our immigration laws on the border. He knows better because he can see from his mansion in Vermont. He can see from his lake house all the problems on the border, and he's got all the answers. We don't need a wall. King of wasteful spending, Bernie Sanders. Says no wall. No wall. It's not going to happen. Donald Trump's not going to get the votes. And here, my honest opinion, I don't know if Donald Trump can get the votes. I see the, the urgency. I see the reason for the urgency for getting funding for the wall. And he's, keep in mind, Donald Trump's not even asking for the entire lump sum of money. He's asking for $5 billion, which is just a portion of it. But it gets it started. But instead, the Democrats want to give like $1 billion at a time. Each year, just $1 billion at a time. Because they know it, it can't get done. They need a portion of the border to remain open so future voters can get in. So caravans can get in. I read uh, something just earlier. Let me see if I can find it. As I clear my throat here, I should just cough on the microphone. Y'all wouldn't care if I did that, would you? Uh, let's see. I just want to pull up this stat real quick about illegal immigrants just crossing the border just the other day. Let's see here. Um, what was the number? You had... No, first of all, you got some of the caravan migrants are demanding entry to the U.S. or or for the government to give them $50,000 each and they'll go back home. That's one demand from the migrant caravan. But the other thing I was talking about is there were, in a 48-hour period, there were, I believe, 100 illegal immigrants captured on the border. And now I can't find the number. Um, I'm still looking, but uh, I don't know if I'll find it. A lot of illegal immigrants within 48 hours being caught on the border. This is just a flow of people coming into this country that the Democrats know. They know this is happening. They're well aware that this is what's going on on the border. And that's why they are so opposed to the wall. They're opposed to the wall not because it's ineffective. They're opposed to the wall because it is effective. Everything they say, the true, the truth of it is the opposite of what they say. I'm still looking to see if I can find those numbers, and I don't guess I'm going to come across them. But I saw them earlier. 
And uh, I don't want to guesstimate on the number, but it was a bunch. It was a bunch caught in 48 hours. And, and this is not, this is something we talk about time and time again. It's not just poor Mexican families, and it's not just criminals from Mexico. It's criminals and terrorists from all over the world. All over the world. From the Middle East, from Bangladesh, from majority Muslim countries. I gave you a list the other day of uh, 48 uh, migrants that they busted in New Jersey. Immigrants, illegal immigrants they busted in New Jersey. And it was everywhere from Russia to Canada to Afghanistan. All over the world. These people were there from all over the world. Most of them with very serious criminal offenses and criminal records. That is why the Democrats do not want a wall. They can utilize those people to commit voter fraud time and time and time and time again so they can regain power. Illegal immigration last month hit its highest level in more than a decade. Because it's not necessarily that illegal immigrants are sitting in their dirt huts, sweeping their dirt kitchen floor, watching CNN or watching what's going on in the White House, watching what Democrats are saying and, and saying to themselves and their family, hey, now's the time to go. They're actually wanting to welcome us in there. It's not that. That's not what's happening. What's happening is Democrats are coordinating with far-left groups, far-left activists, people with a lot of money, George Soros, as well as other groups in other countries to coordinate people crossing the border illegally. These people have no idea what's going on. So when somebody comes to them and says, hey, the U.S. just announced that they're going to leave the border open and you're going to be able to just sneak into the country and live the American dream. Your average person in a crappy situation is going to say, all right, let's go. Also, on the other side of that token, your average MS-13 gang member who's looking to rape, murder, and commit whatever crimes they can they said the same thing. Let's go. Because that's the American dream to them. They want that just as much as uh, Maria and Jose want a better life for their family. But the Democrats don't care about that. The Democrats have, have made it clear that they don't care about the life of human beings. They pretend to care about the welfare of migrants but they don't care about the welfare and the lives of American citizens. They don't care about the life and the welfare of unborn children. They only care about life when that life can put them in power. Because everything everything that the Democrats propose, and, and you can go through the list, think of it in your head right now, just off the top of your head, all the things that the Democrats are for, 
all the things that the Democrats are champions of, every single one of those things, you can tie back to it increasing their chance to gain power. Every single one. Reliance on food stamps. Democrats bolstered that. Democrats are looking to give anybody and everybody food stamps. That gets them votes. Low unemployment. Keep unemployment low. Stock market in a tizzy. Democrats can gain power from that because they can say, hey, we're the ones to bring jobs back. We're the ones that can offer stimulus packages. We're the ones that can pump money into your bank account. We're the ones that want to give you free health care. Everything they do, everything they believe in, all revolves around power. And once you get past the power part, it all revolves around control over the American people. It's all about power and it's all about control. Bottom line, power and control. That's the basis of their stance on the border wall. All right, uh, moving on. We're going to take a break in a minute, but when we come back, I want to talk about this Michael Cohen stuff. And to get in on the show, 646-668-2714 is the number. 646-668-2714. For those of you listening live, you are listening on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, We don't have the YouTube stuff going right now because of issues on our end. If we run the YouTube, we can't get a decent recording of the show to then give you guys on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. Actually, let me give you a rundown uh, for those of you listening. If you don't like using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we've got an entire list of platforms that we are currently on. And I will tell you what those are right now. Let's see. We are on... Apple Podcast, we're on Google Podcast, we're on Spotify, we're on Breaker, we're on Castbox, and we're on Overcast, we're on Pocket Cast, and we are on Radio Public. Soon to be coming, we will also be on Podbean, we will also be on uh, Stitcher, and we will be on TuneIn Radio. So all those coming soon. Over the line will be anywhere and everywhere you want to hear it. Trying to make it as easy as possible for you guys to consume the show anytime you want. Also, we are currently building our lineup of sponsors for this show. If that's something you would be interested in doing, you can do one of two things. You can email andrew at overthelineshow.com. Or you can go to the website, overthelineshow.com, and go to the contact section. And there's a couple different ways for you to get a hold of us and ask any questions you would like. If you're just curious about what we got going on, what we can offer you as a business owner, or anything you have going on, contact us through there, overthelineshow.com. Hook it up, and uh, we're going to get going. We're going to... 
We're going to do big things with this show. Big things, big things. It's going to be bigly, bigly. So, uh, 646-668-2714. We will uh, go ahead, take this break. We'll come back on the other side. I think we might have Jeff Poor on the line. I'm not positive. We talked about it. So things have been a little wacky as of late with me being sick and all that but we will uh, get it figured out one way or another 646-668-2714 at andrew mcclain who on twitter y'all hook it up we'll be back right after this sniper fire that is what happened our folks on the ground were in danger (laughs) i don't find it funny at all (laughs) if you search for treacherous it isn't hard to find when crooked hillary has the support she needs to fit she had never received any emails or classified but if you look for truthfulness you might just as well be blind and from the clintons it always seems so hard to give dishonesty is such a perfect word for hillary is so untrue do you think new york state should recognize gay marriage this is wrong it's never ever heard not what we will get from her there were over 60,000 emails that were not related to my work it's always hard to find someone even in the FBI to file charges against slippery Hillary we cannot bring criminal charges but we don't need some ugly face to tell us ugly lies. <laughs> All we want is someone we can believe. Dishonesty is such a perfect word. Hillary 
policies now you say they're too harsh you supported his trade deal now suddenly you're against it hostile actors gained access to secretary clinton's personal email account you can live with a protest about a video that won't hurt you but a terrorist attack will but you can't be square with the american people
of the line? I'm just going to start doing that instead of uh, hitting the cough button. Because it's stuff, it just kind of sneaks up on me. I can't help it. I can't help it. 646-668-2714 is the number if you want to get in. 646-668-2714. I'm actually typing this out to... uh, Jeff Four because he forgot the number again. <laughs> He's gonna uh, join us here in about five minutes. We're uh, we're really bad at uh, staying in touch with each other. When he comes on, one of the things that we're gonna be talking about is this Michael Cohen stuff. And and I've got a lot to say about that, and not necessarily Michael Cohen, but more General Flynn. Because as this stuff has transpired, I've been upset over the General Flynn stuff for a while. But with the sentencing of Michael Cohen, it brought all those emotions back. And has gotten me fired up all over again. Now, just to set the stage, if you have been living in a cave and you haven't heard this news, Michael Cohen was just sentenced to three years in prison for crimes including tax evasion, uh, making hush money payments, lying to Congress about business dealings with Russia. Uh, the, The judge said he will allow Cohen to voluntarily surrender to prison on March 6th and ordered him to pay a $50,000 fine for making false statements to lawmakers. He's also got to pay a forfeiture of $500,000 and $1.4 million in restitution. Uh, Prior to sentencing, Cohen, uh, the judge told the courtroom that, uh, that Cohen pled guilty to a Uh, veritable smorgasbord of fraudulent conduct. He said Cohen appears to have lost his moral compass and that he should have known better than to dodge taxes, lie to Congress, and violate campaign finance laws. Now, violating campaign finance laws, it's not that much of an egregious crime, but whatever, I'm no judge. Uh, addressing the courtroom before sentencing, Cohen took aim at the president for branding him as weak in recent tweets, saying that his weakness was blind loyalty to his former boss. He said, recently, the president tweeted a statement calling me weak, and it was correct, but for a much different reason than he was implying. It was because time and time again, I felt it was my duty to cover up his dirty deeds. Ooh, dirty. That's some drama right there. Um, so, Michael Cohen, showing no remorse for, for his crimes, placing the blame on somebody else. We all know somebody like that. Michael Cohen um, has already proven himself to be a shady character in the first place because, as you recall, he recorded Donald Trump in their meetings and there's no telling who else 
he recorded as well. Then the FBI gets their hands on that stuff as they conduct search warrants and all that jazz. So, uh, three years in the pokey, he will report in March, and he will uh, have to pay back all that money. Uh, hefty sum, if you will. But then there's the other side of this, and, and it's the Michael Flynn stuff. And I want to get to that here in just a uh, just a few minutes because they released a lot of uh, memos as far as leading up to Flynn's sentencing that I found very interesting. And I didn't I didn't get to read them myself initially. When they came out, I was watching Rachel Maddow, of all people, and I watched her read this, and it really reminded me of the time that she finally got her hands on Trump's tax returns, and there was absolutely nothing there. It was like the whole Geraldo opening the vault all over again. It was one of those. So we'll talk about that as we go along. Right now, though, I have on the phone my man, the one and only Jeff Poor from Yellowhammer News and Breitbart. Jeff, how are you, buddy? Doing well. Good to be with you, Andrew. Man, you like how you and I, we just fly by the seat of our pants with this whole bringing you on the podcast. <laughs> it's pretty good. It seems to be the story of my life these days. Listen, you, you, the the business you're in, where, where you're traveling all the time and you're reporting, you're talking to politicians, that's what you do, man. You don't. You, you, if anybody is good at that kind of stuff, it's you. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm participating in this podcast from the legendary Dell Jackson's guest bedroom today, in case you're wondering, <laughs> in Huntsville. That's fantastic. Uh, that actually just, that's icing on the cake right there. So make sure, uh, make sure you tell Dell we said hi. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm filling in for him uh, on Guerrilla Politics, his TV show up here on the ABC affiliate. So he's in the Dominican Republic, but he's left me the keys to his house. So, so you have you have free reign over Dale Jackson's house, and you have free reign over his TV show. I do. Uh, I'll be I'll be sitting there with Wayman Burke this week, so it, it'll be up on the Elmer's website. All kinds of good stuff we're going to talk about this week. Uh, I, I think, but uh, I do. I, I kind of have the, the the keys to the palace. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So, real quick before we get into this stuff. Um, for people that do want to watch that, you just said where they can watch uh, Gorilla Politics online. Uh, where can they watch it live? I guess they, if they're in North Alabama, where can they watch it? It's on the ABC affiliate WAAY in Huntsville. Uh, I believe it's Channel Thirty One. So it'll be live on Sunday. The time I don't know. I'll have to check on, but it, it, it's probably for for a lot of your listeners. It'll probably be uh, it, it'll be on YouTube and on Yellowhammer's website on Sunday. So that's that's where I would recommend it. Beyond the Huntsville viewing area. Yeah, I got you. Well, that sounds good. I mean, I suggest you find out what time your show is because I don't want you to miss it. But other than that, I think it, everybody can find it uh, pretty easily with that information. All right, let's uh, let's break some of this stuff down. Uh, Michael Cohen, and, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, I was out for two days, so the last time I did a, a, a podcast was on Monday, I got sick, and now it's the first time I'm back, I'm still sick, but I'm trying to push through it, um, so I'm catching up on a lot of this news, but with the Michael Cohen stuff, that's where we're at, that's what we're talking about, uh, sentenced to three years in prison 
for tax evasion, hush money, lying to Congress, whatever. Um, he gets up at the at his sentencing and says, you know, I was blindly loyal to the president and, and that was my weakness and blah, 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 blah. Uh, after you hear about the sentencing and his comments, what do you take from that? I still don't see how he's a credible witness. So, so I mean, just let's say it gets down the path where he cooperates with the FBI and then they, they try to go after Trump and they use him as a witness. Right now, he was just kind of used as the investigation, kind of a tool for the investigation. But at some point, this is adjudicated. And at some point, he has to appear before Congress or appear before a, even a jury or something, right? What's admissible and what isn't? First of all, he's got credibility issues. There's no question about that. He's he's a convicted felon. Uh, he, he's going to be he's going to be sitting in jail. The second thing is, there's a lot of things that I think would be inadmissible, uh, just 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 based on attorney attorney client privilege. So you know, I don't know where this goes. I think a lot of it right now that we're seeing is just kind of you know media sensationalism and the media getting excited about it. But what does it mean ultimately? I think that's that's the bigger question. Um, people will have their opinions about Trump, and, and I, I think they go either way. I don't think this helps Trump at all, but I, I do wonder, like, what, what does what does it mean if you if you actually put this, you know, in, in, in a place where it really matters, which is before, you know, beyond the eyes of the public when they go to vote in twenty twenty, but you know, just in the, in the interim or even after that, if you're going to put it and try to make it criminal or civil or whatever it might be. What, what what's admissible what is it what are the rules well and as we've seen he's a shady character in the first place just for, on the front of you know recording trump and recording god knows who uh during private meetings and then uh putting putting that stuff in a position to be heard by anybody and everybody after he gets raided by the fbi um he's just a a, a slimy dude in general and and now the media is trying to have us believe that between now and the time he goes to prison, that he is going to continue to work with the uh, the special counsel and provide more information that he more dirt that he's got on Donald Trump, like he already hasn't tried to do that to get to, to avoid this three years. Why, why would anybody even believe that there's anything else for Michael Cohen to throw out there to Robert Mueller and the team? I don't know. I mean, I, I I think there's the hope, and as long as there's that hope, then then that that will you know that will give it the live blood it needs to survive, right? Uh, you know, it, 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 and all these media talking heads they do like kind of see blood in the water here. I think that fuels a lot of it. So, but what what you know what else could come? You know, I, I was kind of thinking about this. What if he tries to write a book or do something like that? What what bombshells are left? What's left? I think Mueller knows everything he needs to know, or you know, wants to know. Uh, we don't know. Like, like I said, it, it really comes down to the issue of credibility and how believable he is. And as you said, he's a slimy character. Uh, yeah. He's also now he's got a uh, <laughs> now he's going to be wearing an orange jumpsuit somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, just what what does this mean? Like, how how far do you trust this guy? What what is his what is his value to any of this? And I think it's greatly diminished. I think it it was diminished um, well before this, and I think that's why he got put in a position where he got three years in prison instead of a, a slap on the wrist or, you know, just the hefty fines that he still has to pay. Uh, 
I think he didn't. He, he, I think he wasn't able to give the the special counsel what they wanted, so they went ahead with this right here and got the result that they told the, they they told Cohen, "Hey, this is what we're going to give you if you don't give us what we want." Not that he's got stuff that they they want and he won't tell them. It's just that it's not there. They're looking for something that's not there, and they held this guy hostage, asking him to produce it, and he couldn't. Uh, that's that's definitely a possibility. I, I don't know though. I, I think he they got him for the other shady stuff for sure. But does that mean does that mean Michael Flynn and, and, and these other people who, who played ball with the Mueller probe that, that they gave the uh the probe what they wanted? So I you know, that they get they signed these these statements or whatever and, and said that Trump did XYZ or I did XYZ. I, I think with Manafort all of these all these characters are being charged and prosecuted with stuff that's not really related to the the core mission of the probe, but uh, you know what, what what does it mean? You know, I, I what does it mean on down the line as this thing goes on, and what are they going to wind up getting trouble with? Is a bigger question. You remember, like what the the Whitewater probe was about the, the land deals in Arkansas or whatever, and they got Trump on perjury charges or or whatever that might be. So I, I think it's. It's just laying the groundwork for whatever the fishing expedition is, and you know this is this is the way we do presidential politics right now. So I don't know. I, I don't think that you know maybe he he did give them something and they went lighter on him. They could have probably gotten him a lot more than three years, perhaps. Who knows? So that I think that's those are the unanswered questions. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Um, then you move over to Michael Flynn who um, is looking to get probation, some unsupervised probation or something because of his lying to the FBI. Uh, I I literally watched these memos come out that kind of uh, gave us an overview of what exactly happened with that quote-unquote lying to the FBI. And I'm watching Rachel Maddow as it comes out, and, and as she reads it, I am realizing that everything that we thought had happened with this lying to the FBI stuff, it was actually true. It was this big entrapment case where this guy uh, who was just a a guy that loves his country and was doing what he needed to do got caught in, in a matter of what seemed like talk between friends and hemmed up on it. And then when he's approached with it and said, well, you... You lied to the FBI, you know, and he says, "Well, you, you know what? I'm uh, if if that's if that's what I need to um, take responsibility for, I'll do it." Because Michael Flynn is that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that takes responsibility for his actions. He's a guy that you know does whatever he's got to do for his country. I think what you had is a guy that got trapped, and he's such a good guy that he was willing to plead guilty to lying to the FBI. Yeah, and I, I think the whole point of that part of the, that chapter, this this whole saga, was just just to get Michael Flynn out of the administration. He, you know, remember the intelligence briefings during a campaign, and Flynn sat in on them, and he gave you know the, the briefers a hard time. I, I think he, he just just over the years had made enemies with a lot of people in the the intelligence community, and this goes back to this time with the Obama administration and when Obama got rid of him. And I think the idea there was just to get rid of Michael Flynn, get him out of the way, and then with him out of the way, you still had to answer all these questions with the probe and all these other things going on, and they had to put these indictments out. 
and they had to just get him on the record doing something. But in the meantime, you know, if they have to financially ruin him and ruin his life and, and whatever that might be, then that's just the consequences he had to face. And so he's probably looking at it thinking, well, if all this slap on the wrist or whatever, reprimand or whatever it may be, and I'm not going to do jail time and I can get all of my life, then I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see this and I'll, I'll, I'll accept this. And this, this is what Mueller will give me little to no jail time. Yeah. And it, I, I just can't, I don't have the will to fight it anymore because it, I just can't afford it. Yeah. It's, it's a mixture of him just being an all around responsible guy or a guy that takes responsibility for his actions, but it's also got to do with him being financially ruined, having to sell his house, his, his son being threatened with jail time, he he got to a point where he's like, you know what, uh, this is not worth it. I'll just I'll just take. It. And, and I want to set the stage real quick of of what these memos said for people listening that that aren't up to speed on this. So, um, and and if I if I get this wrong, Jeff, you can correct me. But this is just I'm running off of memory here, and I'm sick, so I, I'll probably screw it up. You had a situation where uh, Andrew McCabe hits up. General Flynn and says, "Hey, we need to talk to you about some contact you had with uh, one of the one of the Russian guys." And Mike Flynn, having a relationship with the FBI, and he's used to talking to the FBI on a regular basis for a, a, a number of things, says, "Yeah, come over or whatever." Uh, they advise him to just do kind of a one-on-one, very relaxed thing, whatever. Don't no need to bring in attorneys or anything like that. We're just gonna kind of. Just talk about this stuff, like, as friends. So they come in. Michael Flynn's all laid back. Andrew McCabe brings Peter Strzok with him. And then they end up getting the result of he lied to investigators out of all that. And that's where that's where the trap comes in. But then, if you look at that, and I believe the judge has asked before sentencing for Michael Flynn to review these these crucial papers that revolve around all that when you look back and you see where mike uh, where Andrew mccabe is now and where peter struck is now you've got to say to yourself something is severely wrong with this investigation and wrong with these charges when these are the two guys that initiated that stuff yeah i think that's the key to it especially with peter struck so there's here's the problem though like you you know this corner of the universe, the, the corner that you and I reside in, has been saying this for, for, for a year now, right? It just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I, I, I wonder if later on we'll – I wonder if the point will ever come that the people will say, hey, our voters or whatever will say, this is – you know, we, we have this kind of unelected bureaucracy doing all these things like this. What – you know, where's the accountability? How does – who answers to this? And, you know, we saw with this, we saw that there was an insurance plan in place with Peter Stroke, and, and they had all these conversations with the FBI director and and Andrew McCabe and all these things we've heard. To a lot of people, it's just background noise, just, just right-wingers, you know, crying about it uh, or whatever. It's sour grapes. So I, I wonder at what point the, the, the country unites behind us. And here's what I think will happen, though. You saw how President Trump was treated – do we ever have a point where, let's say, a Democrat's elected, and he seems to be a popular Democrat, but he gets crossways with the intelligence community, and this scenario is set up once again where a Department of Justice 
puts in a special prosecutor with unlimited powers, then do they say, hey, we need to do something about this to keep these 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 prosecutors in line. We need to put some kind of financial limits. They don't need to have unlimited budgets. We need to put some parameters on what they can and can't investigate. I mean, does it ever get to that point? I don't think it gets to that point with this. I think it's just you and I talking about it, and we can use it in the future as evidence. It's going to be a footnote. But at some point, I do think there'll be a president where the, the shoe's on the other foot and will say, hey, uh, you know, Democrats will be the ones saying this. Then maybe things change yeah. and you don't have the Department of Justice. And, you know, for, for better or for worse, we saw with Jeff Sessions as attorney general. What did he what was he able to do? Even the attorney general is not able to rein this in. And one of the most powerful offices in the country, and he's just doing like ribbon cuttings or whatever for you know uh, opioid crisis uh, work or, or, or you know prisons around the country or whatever. So you know, I, I wonder when that point in time comes. I, I don't think it's coming soon, but I do wonder. I think it's got to come to a head at some point. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, it's it's crazy because, as you noted, we, we've been talking about this for so long. We've known this story. We've laid it out time and time again, reported on it breathlessly. And here it is on paper, and there's the, a real possibility that it's not going to go anywhere, even now that it's proven uh, we'll see what the judge does with the with the papers after he reviews them before he does the sentencing. I don't know if anything will change or not, but as far as the Democrats being in the position that Republicans are now or that Trump is in now, a Democrat president dealing with a special counsel or any of that, I'm with you. I don't think that's ever going to happen, and I think that's not going to happen because you've got too many weak-kneed Republicans that would never push it that far. Republicans could never get on the same page like Democrats in order to push something like that. I don't know that it's particularly ideological. I kind of wonder if it's just more of a power play. The intelligence community kind of wants to run the country, right? So not to go all, all black helicopter you know, on you here with conspiracy theories and stuff, but I, I, I do think that they see that they could do this to Trump. What's to stop them from doing this to the next president? If they 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 think well, there's a power play here for us to really get you know to have all these members of a, an elected administration, all these people that were put into place by an elected president, kissing our ring and not wanting us to be investigated and all these like weird Washington things going on, uh, you know like why, if we could do it to Trump, why, why couldn't we do it to Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, or whoever it may be? I, I just think Trump is kind of the the guinea pig for this, and he's kind of an easy target because he's unpopular with the American people. He has a lot of outspoken Democrats. He has the media working against him. I do think that this, you know, the idea that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I, I do think that this will be tried to get it. I think it'll be tried to get it on a Democrat. Democrats are just going along with it because Trump, Trump, Trump. But at some point, you know, we and we've seen this before. Pelosi's gotten crossways with the intelligence community before over stuff. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think I, I think it's a possibility. And I, 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 you know, Democrats will seem too concerned now. But at some point, I do think the intelligence community will, will see this as a scalp. And why not go after more scalps in the future? It's a dangerous president. They're sitting and, and allowing to be said. And, uh, I, you know, ultimately, 
in our democracy and our system of checks and balances, I think it'll, it'll have to self-correct somehow one way or another. Yeah, well, as recent history tells us, uh, the Democrats are notorious for making decisions that later on uh, bite them in the end, turn around and bite them on the backside. So we uh, we shall see. There's plenty of other stuff out there we could talk about. I'm not going to hold you up too long. Uh, quick thoughts on the... Uh, I guess we could call it an altercation between Trump, Pelosi, and Schumer over the wall. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Trump, I, I think the big takeaway was that Trump said he would be proud to shut the government down over a border wall. The the question is, and then this is where Trump, I think, loses maybe some of his base support is, you know, they, they like the rhetoric, they like the bluster. They don't have a border wall yet. People want a border wall. And we've been talking about it, and Trump tweeted today about the border wall that Mexico's still going to pay for it. And, and I get it. It's, it's the idea from the savings of the new trade deal or whatever. But he's doubling down on the border wall. People expect a wall now. He's really set the bar really high for himself. He wants a, he wants a wall. Um, the problem is, if you hold the government hostage, and you hold it hostage long enough for a new Congress to be sworn in, then the Democrats have all the cards, right? They have a control of one of the branches of the House. They got to get out of the House something to get passed by the Senate and sign into law before the new Congress is sworn in. Or it's going to be an even worse bill than than we would have imagined if Pelosi has the gavel. They're not going to allow like the, 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 the what Paul Ryan wants. They're going to have their own set of priorities, and it's not going to be favorable for Republicans. No, that's just how these things go. So they're working against the clock. I know the December 21st deadline with the government shut down is, is approaching. I think there's a lot of other things going on. I think the border wall might be a little bit of a, just a kind of a, 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 a red horse or, you know, whatever. But I, I do wonder, like, what's, you know, like, the, what, what is Trump's end goal here? What, what will he settle for? I think there's, there's got to be some kind of money in there for the wall. It may be the rounding error of, of, of something, but he's got to have something he can hang his hat on, or, or you know, we're we're just going to face a shutdown. Yeah, he has no choice but to build a wall. There's no doubt about it. Now, tell me this: you, you may or may not know this this answer, but if they pass it through the House and then it sits in the Senate until the new Congress is is sworn in. Um, does it have to go back to the House, or can it just proceed through the Senate at that point? No, it dies. A new Congress, everything that was passed by the old Congress dies as soon as the new Congress. So it starts, so it starts back at square one. all over again. Yeah. So, so you understand why it becomes such a, an imperative that, that something gets done sooner than later, and, and, and hopefully in the long term, even though this is a lame duck session, it's – you either do it now or you're going to have Pelosi deciding we're going to get Obamacare 2.0 or something, right? And then you have a deadlocked Senate. This McConnell's not going to let something like that go through. And you're in a worse bargaining position than you were when you started out right now. And you're definitely not going to get any wall funding with Pelosi. Yeah, you got to push it now. You've got, you've got no choice. No choice whatsoever. Even with... Um even with the the new Congress coming in, okay, so Nancy Pelosi is at the White House, and she's saying, well, you've got the votes in the House. You just pass it in the House. And then Donald Trump says, well, we don't have it in the Senate. He, she says, well, you know, it, at least it's a start. 
to do it in the house. And he knows and she knows that there's no point in putting it through the house if you can't get it through the Senate. But really, what choice do you have at this point but to to try or, as you mentioned, negotiate something else? Yeah, uh, you, you, I don't know why. You've got to get something. So whatever, whatever will get through, and that may be, I mean, here we are. They're still in session right now, and I, I was on a conference call with Doug Jones today, and he said they may be in session a week from now. You know, traditionally they're already back in their home districts doing whatever at this point, but the spending bill is everything kind of tied up up there. So, you know, the I think the aim is that we'll we'll, we'll get something before the deadline, but we're not going to uh, we're going to do it as we always done it in, in, in these scenarios. And probably get it at the last minute, a last-ditch thing, because we're going to wait and see who blinks first. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting enough. Uh, I know you're going to be filling in for uh, the TV show. Anything else that you've got floating out there online that people need to check out? So Monday got a big story on the city of Andalusia. It's kind of a small town in South Alabama. Uh, I spent four and a half hours with the mayor of Andalusia, and uh, it's it's a place that's. A little got a little more swagger than the, they don't have the same problems as rural Alabama has. Their big problems are trying to get retail, and they're trying to get uh, lodging and all these things that seem kind of like you know luxuries to a lot of places. They're struggling to keep their hospitals and stuff open, but they have a success story. They have a story to tell. Uh, they kind of show how it can be done and, and, and get and get you know the, the the people in their town on the right track economically. So that's. Uh, That'll be uh, that'll be publishing on Monday. There you go. Check that out. Yellowhammernews.com on Monday. Jeff, we appreciate you as always, buddy, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again next week. Good luck with the TV show, and uh, make sure you don't uh, trash Dale's house with a house party. I uh, not yet. We're, we're standing by for that. I got you, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. And there's your man, Jeff Poor. From Breitbart, from yellowhammernews.com. We always appreciate him hanging out with us for a little bit, giving us some insight. I don't know everything, y'all. Sometimes I got to have some help from people. Sometimes I got to have a little help. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Overthelineshow.com will get you hooked up. Make sure you go to the bottom of the page when you go there. And uh, sign up for the newsletter where we'll keep you guys updated on anything and everything related to Over the Line. Also, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on a bunch of other platforms. Make sure you check us out on there because the more times you listen to us on those platforms, the more uh, popular we get. And that's what we're looking to do. 646-668-2714 is the number. We'll be back right after this. Y'all hang tight. Give me some more. 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 Give me some more.
So, the president of Mexico yesterday, or the ex-president, whatever, whoever, he said, we will not pay for the wall, even consider paying for the wall. So, who's going to pay for the wall? yesterday and they said the president of mexico said they will not under any circumstances pay for the wall they said to me what is your comment i said the wall just got 10 feet higher it's true it's true simple things pointing out that we're meant to be in nature and be natural and this is where we find the source that God made to transcend the new world order and that's why they want to try to keep us out of it I'm angry I've had enough of these people little bones of Christian murder scum little giant death factories keeping babies alive and selling their body parts what more do you need to know about these people I go out and this gone. They literally crawl out from under rocks. They have green looking skin and they run around screaming, We love Satan, we wanna eat babies. I have them on video. Hillary's in the creepy, weird six of men. She sleeps in the same room with that creepy, weird woman. Mother wears a hood over her head. What the hell? That woman number one is ugly. Imagine how bad she smells, man. I'm told her and Obama just stink. Obama and Hillary both smell like sulfur. It's close to that evil and I feel it go Ah, ah, ah We're such self-centered crap We don't even know it's had itself rising up against us Millions of pointed people of the very worst type And I'm so pissed We're gonna stare your daughter at the mall 
watching Fox News as I worked out this morning. The line, Andrew McLean, 646-668-2714 if you want to get in before we get up out of hell. Out of hell, I've survived. To being sick, I have survived the whole show. Can y'all believe it? I can't believe it. But we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Before we get out of here... I just want to, um, I want to talk about, I I was going to go the route of talking more Michael Cohen stuff and what some celebrities were saying that I I watched people literally say, um, they're not satisfied that Michael Cohen is going to prison and they won't be satisfied until Pence or Ivanka go to prison. Mike Pence, people are demanding Mike Pence go to prison. I don't, maybe I'm just out of touch and I just, I'm blinded by my love for conservatism or I'm blinded by my, my, my support of Donald Trump. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I I just can't wrap my mind around that. Another thing I can't wrap my mind around is why Mika Brzezinski still has a job. Now, as you know, she made a homophobic slur on an episode of Morning Joe. Just uh, yesterday. A homophobic slur. And she still has a job. On live TV, it didn't get edited. They attempted to edit it right after she said it, but since it's live TV, they didn't catch it quite quick enough. But she called Mike Pompeo a butt boy. Okay? A butt boy. Now, on its face, if you've never heard the term butt boy, you're probably thinking, well, that, well that's not that big a deal. Well, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, it's actually very derogatory towards um, homosexuals. And I'll give you the Urban Dictionary explanation. But here, Mika, in her own words, from Morning Joe on Wednesday... I- I can't think of anyone here who could put it more clearly than you. Uh, I understand that Donald Trump doesn't care. Heilman makes a good point. He doesn't care. But why doesn't Mike Pompeo care right now? Uh, Are the pathetic deflections that we just heard 
when he appeared on Fox and Friends. Is that a patriot speaking or a wannabe dictator's butt boy? Dead serious, I'm asking. Are these the words of a patriot? He's debased himself. He once again is under... Joe's face when she said that, too. <laughs> Oy vey! Butt boy, huh? Mika Brzezinski thinks um, Mike Pompeo's a butt boy. And I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying butt boy. But I guess it's okay since I'm quoting. Mika Brzezinski. Calling the Secretary of State a butt boy. All right, let me tell you what uh, what the Urban Dictionary says about this term. Butt boy. Literally a sexual boy toy who belongs to an older man. The younger guy is a bottom or backdoor receiver, while the older guy is the pitcher or top. That is the definition. I know that's a little graphic. But that's the definition of the term that Mika Brzezinski used. And she still has her job. Can you imagine Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or uh, even the liberals on Fox News, Juan Williams, anybody, anybody on Fox News? Or any other network that does not have their head shoved up the Democrats' backside saying something like that. Imagine what would happen. I did watch Sean Hannity last night, and he was talking about this. And I was kind of, uh, was a little bothered by what he said. And, And actually... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to play you what he says. And I'm not prepared for this, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Because I can always find old episodes of Handy. What was yesterday? The 12th? Let's try this and see what happens. Um, December 12th. Okay, let's give this a shot and see what happens. So Hannity is is talking about the issue and talking about Mika Przinsky using that terminology just earlier that morning on her show. And let me go through. I don't want to steal Hannity's thunder here, but I just want to uh, I want to bring you what he said. Let's see. I know this is riveting right now. I got to get through all the wall talk. Uh, wall talk, wall talk, where is Mika? Come on, Mika, where you at? Mika! Man, he talked a lot about Donald Trump yesterday, as he always does. And here we go! Well, maybe I won't find it. Unless it's at the very end of the show. Uh, they talked about the France stuff. Uh, we haven't touched on the France stuff. We need to, but... We can do some of that tomorrow, and we've got a little more time. Okay, I don't have the audio of Hannity saying that. So here's the deal. I'll just give it to you. Hannity says that it was very awful of Mika to say those things. And it's hypocritical of 
the station not to suspend her or something, but he says that she should not be fired. He says, I'm not in the business of getting people fired because we're all human. We all make mistakes. And and I think this was probably an honest mistake. And if she had done it time and time and time and time again, I would get it. I would fire her. But I don't think she should be fired. Now, I have a, 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 slight, a slight problem with that. I mean, I, I get what Hannity's saying. And, and Hannity's being true to himself, first of all. Hannity's always said those things. He's always stood his ground on whether or not uh, people should have their show boycotted or advertisers be boycotted or any of that stuff. And I think it's actually very honorable of him to do so. But if you look at the other side, you quickly realize that they would not give you that same luxury. They would boycott you. They would demand you be fired with every breath they took. Sean Hannity, if he would have said those terms, he wouldn't last five seconds on the air. He'd have been pulled off immediately because of the backlash. So why do you give them that benefit of the doubt? You don't have to say, you don't have to come out and say that you need to be fired or the, uh, the, the, the boycotts need to take place on her advertisers. But don't stick up for her. I'm so sick. I'm so sick and tired of Fox News sticking up for CNN and MSNBC. Whether it's they're defending them against the president or whatever. I'm sick of it because they're never going to defend you guys. So quit doing it. Quit sticking up for them. They hate your guts. They're never going to be on your side. And they're never going to stick up for you like you stick up for them. So quit it. All right, here's Hannity uh, last night talking about the Mika Brzezinski anti-gay slur. Unbelievable. Over the top. And then following the show on the other part of the issue, and she issued an apology on Twitter about her language. Some bad choice of words. I should have said water boy, like for football teams or something like that. Yeah, Mika, pretty bad choice of words. And that was not a genuine apology, which makes this whole thing that much worse. She did not apologize for making that slur. Um, But we're consistent on this program. We don't call for boycotts. We don't call for firings of any kind. In fact, when Mika's colleague, MSNBC host Joy Reid, when she was in hot water over homophobic and conspiracy-filled blog that she had, We never called for her to be fired or for her show to be boycotted. People do make mistakes. People are not perfect. And I think we're all human. And I don't believe anybody's career, in my honest opinion, should be ruined over a stupid mistake. And by the way, she's no fan of mine and neither is liberal Joe. And I doubt they would do this for any opinion host here at Fox News. But it's sad to see Trump derangement syndrome claim yet another victim. And of course, there were many warning signs as the anti-Trump vitriol got worse and worse and worse. And and don't get me wrong. I get what Sean Hannity is saying. He's taking the high road, which is very, very respectable. But at some point, much like we cheered Donald Trump for sticking up for himself, when does Sean Hannity... And these guys stick up for themselves. When do they fight back? 
again, I, I'm with Sean Hannity on calling for a boycott of advertisers because I feel like, just like with the Galleria stuff, I feel like these business owners are victims of something that they had nothing to do with. So boycotting advertisers, I think, is a, a no, no, no across the board. Don't do it. But to hold Mika Brzezinski accountable for doing this because her Trump derangement syndrome is so out of control, at some point, she's got she's to gotta suffer some consequences. Just listen to this right here. Let's take a look. It is clear the well. president is stunningly ignorant. Probably the most ignorant no. president we will ever no. have. He's ignorant. He's warped. He's obsessed with money and yep. sex, and he finds his power through those two things. He will be forever remember, remembered as the president who traumatized little children. That's his brand now. <clears throat> He's the president who purposefully traumatized babies and children. Listen to this. This, this is crazy. Tell me that person doesn't need to be held accountable. Very, uh, almost caveman-like. Have you seen the It really is. He's Mika, like Fred did, Flintstone did you... running the country. I don't think he has the moral compass to make a decision based on our own national security. To anybody who works inside the White House, works on the national security team, works in the State Department, at some point you are working for a president who is not fit to lead who's going to do something crazy in five minutes, one hour, tonight or tomorrow. Like, what more do you need to hear from him to start thinking 25th Amendment or something else? So there you go. That is somebody with a serious, seriously deep emotional problem. Mika Brzezinski. And that's not even a, a half of a percent of the things that... She's going on to say on public airwaves. So when somebody conducts themselves in that manner, at what point, at what point do you say enough is enough? When? When do you do it? When do you say enough is enough? You want, you would not grant me the luxury of saying, I made a mistake. I used the wrong terminology. So why should I do it for you? You can't cheer Donald Trump for doing one thing and then say on your end, nah, fighting back's not worth it. I love Sean Hannity. I really do. So I don't want this to come off as, as me really bashing Sean Hannity. I just wish... He would stand up to the people that constantly attack him. The people that constantly attack his network. The people that actively, actively want to take down that entire network because they constantly clobber them in the ratings. But it's much more than the ratings. It's a message. It's an agenda. It's a narrative. It's a narrative battle that they want to win a battle of owning the minds of the American people. That's what all that comes down to. So, Sean, step up, cuz. Come on, man. All right, guys, that is it for this edition of Over the Line. 
We will be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Hopefully, I will be back at 100%. But who knows? I feel like caca today, but I've got uh, four days to mend. And we will make that happen. Hopefully, we'll have you a weekend episode coming up soon. Where it's less political and more, um, more something. I really don't know what to expect with the weekend podcast, so I can't really tell you. Overthelineshow.com. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the page. And follow all of our social media stuff on there. To listen to this show on any other platform, go to the website and click on the icons for Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you need. You can get it hooked up right there. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, see you, Cubs.